everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is a three-man show, well, a three-people show. We have Samrin here, Marcus here, and in here. So since the 2010 to 11 season, Bayern has not had a worse start. We have had, we have collected 12 points from six games, which is pretty cool if you ask me, but it has been three successive draws to date, which is unusual. And they have been three very different kind of draws against Gladbach, Union Berlin, and Stuttgart. So... In, let me ask you, what do you think is going on and which is leading to these kinds of results? Okay, so since I've been doing most of the post-game podcasts for these last few games, I have been quite critical of how Bayern Munich has been playing under Nagelsmann. And look, there was nothing much to complain about against Gladbach because we we conceded that goal. It was quite unlucky and we created way more than enough chances to actually win the game. But since then, it feels like chance creation has dropped off a cliff and we have been struggling for goals up top. And because of that, and because it feels like, I don't know if it's complacency or if it's just the system breaking down or teams have just figured us out, but we seem to be much easier to break down and force into simple errors leading to goals than we did in the beginning part of the season. And I don't know, with Barcelona coming up, this is pretty annoying and pretty worrying <laughs> to watch because like, uh, we know who plays for Barcelona and we know that we can't really afford mistakes. And I don't want to say that Nagelsmann has lost the plot because I think in terms of tactics, the games have been more or less fine, like not amazing, but fine. But in terms of individual performances and individual mistakes, we have seen way too many of them. Marcus, what's your take? You think we have too many individual errors going on? Um, yeah, maybe. I don't think it's been horrible, uh, so to say. I think you know maybe it's, we have to we have to think that it's a it's also a very new team. It's a team that uh, lost you know the world's best football player on this planet. Um, I I do agree with I need no name that the last three games have been a little bit lackluster in terms of creating chances. Um, I'm one individual who believes that Bayern will struggle without Lewandowski. I think you can already kind of see it now. The first three games was brilliant, and I I, um, I give credit to Nagelsmann to that. It was a really brilliant three games. However, it was against, I guess, weak teams. Um, Frankfurt hasn't started well. Uh, Wolfsburg hasn't started well. And Bochum has um, zero points, I think, so far. Yeah. Um, so but I, I think... In the early of the season, it's hard to make any predictions, but I mean, I'm, and I think I'm quite a positive guy, but I always kind of thought that it would be very, very tough for Bayern to replace a guy who has scored, what, 80 goals in the last two seasons in the league. Um, so I think it, it, would be, it would be very exciting to continue to, um, to see how that evolves. I think what gets to me is the Jekyll and Hyde nature of the team that we've seen so far. Yes, Frankfurt and Bakum. Uh, haven't started well. Bochum has zero points, bottom of the table. Wolfsburg hasn't started well either. But since then, it's not like Stuttgart is the top of the table. Stuttgart has struggled mightily at the beginning of the season too. Gladbach is hot and cold. So Gladbach is the one understandable draw. This happens every season. There's no point beating around the bush about it. The problem for me, the worst game for me of the lot was the Union Berlin game. That was hugely concerning. It was low XG. Union Berlin defended great, but it's not like Union Berlin are world beaters. They went and they lost in the Europa League to Union Saint-Gilloy. I hope I'm saying this right from Belgium. 
And uh, I hadn't even heard of this team before Union played them in Europe. So if Union St. Geloi can figure Union Berlin out, then maybe we could have figured them out too. And I saw that game. They they really, really did not allow Union Berlin to create much of no. Neither did we for the fair part, but we couldn't break them down either. And we did allow them a chance to score. And there were more chances where Union could have gotten a second goal. So that one was really concerning. And I think if that performance repeats, then we'll be in a lot of trouble. Stuttgart, I did feel that absence of Robert Lewandowski up front. It seemed to me that there was no one to finish off the chances we were creating. But I thought that really came down to complacency because the players and Nagelsmann seemed to have an eye on the Tuesday game against Barcelona. Well, the thing is that I feel like each and every single draw we've had so far, the circumstances were completely different in each one of them. Mm -hmm. For example, Gladbach, you had like our usual Gladbachers, Jan Sommer being (laughs) playing like a maniac. It was absurd. So we can't really say that we deserve the draw against Gladbach. We should have beaten them maybe by four, five, six goals, honestly, given how many shots we had. But it just didn't happen. And sometimes the ball just doesn't bounce for you. Or sometimes Jan Sommer goes into God mode. Just that just happens. <laughs> Whereas against Union, tactically, like Union figured us out. They knew what to do. Yeah. And even though we equalized almost instantly, like it should be that once you equalize, the game is back at nil nil. Union are will definitely have to come back out and try and press us and try and get the goal back. They did not do that. They kind of just stayed in their little box and allowed us to pressure them and did not let us get any kind of, like, it didn't really, we didn't really have any chances against them after we scored that goal. So Union decided after we scored that they were happy with the point. Now the problem with Stuttgart is Stuttgart, like, we should have beaten them. Like, we scored first. That is not what happened against Gladbach and Union. Union and Gladbach, they scored first and they decided to sit back. Against Stuttgart, we scored first. The game was in our hands. I think around by the 68th minute, like the first half, I don't think Stuttgart really did anything to merit them winning or at least getting a draw from the game. Whereas in the second half, they came out like they came out with a vengeance. And we we should have been controlling that game. We should have been with the with Stuttgart having to get a goal back. We should have been capitalizing on our chances, getting counters, getting the ball up the pitch and easily scoring at least one or two more. Whereas that did not happen. Instead, Stuttgart somehow like forced us into conceding a goal, making it one all. And then the thing is that that one all scoreline did not even last. We immediately went down the other end and scored again. Stuttgart still managed to do a comeback. So I think that's more <laughs> concerning than the fact that we couldn't break down the park bus, the fact that this team that is not even that good, they managed to force Bayern Munich onto equal footing twice in a single game at home, which is like, I, I get it. Like, look, we were rotating a lot and that is always a factor, especially the fact that we have had two away games in a row against Inter and against Union. So that obviously is affecting the team's cohesion and fitness. But, even so, the amount of chaos I saw on the pitch in the last 40 or 30 minutes against Stuttgart, there is no excuse for it. It was just a lack of game management. When you're 2-1 up, you should not be losing in the last 10 minutes. You should be just taking the victory at that point. Yeah, yeah. I was reminded by my dad yesterday about the price tags of our defense. Lucas Hernandez, Dayo Pamecano, and Matthias Dilek. Hernandez was not on the pitch yesterday. They did not exactly come cheap. And there have been some costly errors costing us points so far. So in terms of goals, 
I think Jamal Musiala is our best bet right now because Gnabry has a real problem with finishing at this point. So, Marcus, on your end, what do you think has been more problematic? Our players' ability to not finish chances or the problems in the back line? Um, well, first of all, uh, Samrin, it's called Union Saint-Gilloise. Thank you, Marcus. Why didn't you correct me while I was <laughs> telling you? I hope that was the correct pronunciation. <laughs> you were on a roll, Samrin. I didn't want to disturb that. Um, yeah. And they are really, really cool club. And I know I'm going off off the topic here, um, but I do want to give a Educate shout us, out to Marcus. That. They are a, yeah, they are club. very cool. They could beat a team that even Bayern Munich couldn't. Exactly. And I mean, fun fact, um, they their stadium is so old and really not updated. They have to go to another city to play against Union when they come to Union Berlin, when they come You're to uh, Belgium. You're feel worse that we, that we couldn't beat Union and then these guys could. <laughs> and Union got beat in Germany too, so. They are a cold club in Belgium and I, I want to give them a shout out on this podcast. Uh, awesome. Back to your question, Samin. Um, I don't know. I think... I think like what, I mean, if I put on my coach's lens and pretend mm-hmm. that I'm a football coach, um, I would probably be more worried of like the lack of chances I've seen in the last two games against the one I need no name said against Berlin. Like they kind, they were great tactically uh, and they did kind of, you know, force by not to create very much chances. Thurkart, yes, I mean, you will create less chances when you have a 17-year-old instead of Robert Lewandowski mm-hmm. up front. To but, be fair, that 17-year-old did score. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> he, he did, he did. And he's looking great. And it's really, it's not it's not a diss to him. I think he's, yeah, he's looking good so far. But I mean, patience, you know, uh, yeah. you can't expect fireworks directly. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm quite, um, I thought the Delict signing was a bit strange, to be quite frank with both of you. Um, okay. I heard that it was Salih Hamadid wanted to get Delict. I thought Bayern played quite a lot for him where I yeah. feel Bayern should have maybe focused more on getting a striker because I I think that's the biggest worry if I put on my coach lens is that how will Bayern do without a striker? I think we've seen some of the warning signs. We've seen Bayern, first of all, not you know scoring enough and second of all, maybe not creating enough chances when it really matters. So I, that's that's my biggest worry now is how to kind of, yeah, go around tactically in this post-Lewandowski world um, while also I think... I think the defense are quite good. I mean, like individually, I think they're really good players. Uh, and that's kind of up to the coach to get that right. Um, yeah. But I think like the the potential is there, you know, like Davis is, in my opinion, one of the best left backs in the world. Yeah. Um, Hernandez and Delict, they're obviously really great players. Pavard, I think is really good too. So, but, but if I look on the, at the actual, you know, squad, what I'm a bit worried about is that I, I love Sadio Mane. I think he's probably one of the more inspiring players Bayern has ever had from what he does outside of the pitch. But I don't think, is he enough to replace Lewandowski? Like no one is enough to replace Lewandowski, but I think that's the big worry. Right. I was actually going to ask you, in if you think we should have gone for a front man, or maybe we should have bid for Darwin Nunez instead of bidding for Matthias Delic. Well, not Darwin Nunez. I think it's fine that we decided to go for a young striker like Matthias Tell. And that is the direction that Salihamidzic wants to take the club. And I understand. And based on what I saw from Tell against Stuttgart, he has the movement, he has the strength, he has the ability, finishing and everything to maybe do the job for Bayern right now, but not at the level that someone like Lewandowski could provide. So it's up to the players around him to provide for him. And in that regard, I think 
we are just underperforming. And in some ways, I think that even if we had Lewandowski right now, we would still be struggling because how many chances are we creating that are not going finish? It's not that many. It's not like we're yeah. making lots of chances every game and they're just going wide or not being finished properly. It's always more that we are struggling with the final pass. We're struggling to get the ball into positions where we can really have a threat. So the thing I always want to talk about is how many times Sadio Mane is offside. In recent games, he has barely been offside. And that tells you he's not getting the ball in threatening positions. Serge Gnabry, yesterday, he was... Like, he did get the ball sometimes. But I I don't know what is up with Gnabry sometimes. Like, sometimes he plays like he's the best player in the world, maybe Ballon d'Or contender. And sometimes he plays like that, where he literally could not control a ball even if he was under zero pressure. Like, everything he touched seemed to go out wide or go well outside his ability to control. And it was like watching Lukaku out there sometimes. And it's kind of just, it's just, it's just baffling this guy. And meanwhile, you had Thomas Muller playing. Thomas Muller, he is so reluctant to take shots. When he takes shots, he's actually, he's pretty good at getting them on target and testing the goalkeeper, but he doesn't take shots at all. And I don't know, did he even have any serious shots against Stuttgart? I wouldn't even know because he was so focused on trying to be the provider or trying to move around and make sure other people have space. It's nerfing him and his ability to really be dangerous on his own. And he is a solid maybe 15 plus goal a season striker. So I, I don't see why he continues to play this way when there is no one like Robert Lewandowski for him to constantly provide to. Jamal Muziala seems to be the only guy who can consistently get not only into positions where he can assist others, he can also score. And he creates mm-hmm. his scoring chances out of nowhere. Like the goal he scored yesterday, that kind of goal, there's nothing that the defense can do. That was just yeah. so good. And that's why he's our main scorer. And he's probably our best player this season, honestly. Mm-hmm. If we talk about it like that, like what would Lewandowski even do in this side? He would be stuck waiting for the ball that never comes. And I think that's <laughs> and, yeah. and that's something that he complained about last season, didn't he? A lot yeah. of these problems we had last season where we weren't getting the ball in the right spaces and then too little control, too many conceded goals where we should not have conceded. And there we go. All mark of Lagelsmann Senior. We did talk about like you and I did the, do a podcast yeah. maybe three, four weeks ago, right after Boham, I think. We talked yeah. about how fluid the attack looks. Well, the fluidity, I think, is still there. But yeah. it is kind of, it's diminished a lot because there's something that's just changed. Like, I don't know if it's because of the rotations, because of fatigue or whatever already clinching the side. But like, even though Nagelsmann's tactics don't seem to have changed much, the players' performances have dipped a lot. Yeah, yeah. I think what was most concerning about the front line for me was that it's not like we've changed out the entire line. The only replacement has been Mane for Lewandowski. Yes, not like for like, but why should there be so many misplaced passes and so much miscommunication when Gnabry, Zane, uh, Thomas Muller, then Kingsley Coman have all been playing with each other for a while now. So it has been disconcerting for me to see. It happened in the Inter Milan game too. That was a very stable performance, but there were a lot of misplaced passes and miscommunication up front. And literally we scored from two minutes of individual brilliance by Sané. So it's a, it's a worrying thought for me. I don't quite know what's going on because like you mentioned in, I don't think a striker helps much in a situation where you're not creating chances. And on top of that, Bayern inflicts last season. I don't know if this happened last season. Outperformed 
our XG quite consistently. And that's not happening anymore. So we're we're scoring about around the rate of our XG, which means that we are having problems finishing chances. So Marcus, how do you think we solve this frontline problem ahead of next week? Um, we do a quick loan for Robert Lewandowski <laughs> next week. Uh, not no, not, uh, not Cristiano you... Ronaldo? <laughs> no, no. He might, he might no, actually Cristiano want that. <laughs> yeah. No, for him. Or Lewandowski or Haaland. Um, no, how do you solve it? I don't uh, don't have the the perfect answer for you. I think I think Nagelsmann has a way of, of attacking that I thought was very evident against Frankfurt in the the first three games of the season. It's a it's a different, more dynamic attack, one that doesn't really have a clear number nine. So solving it, I think, is simply is just to try and continue that. You know, uh, yeah, you kind of have to yeah make the best without Lewandowski, without the guy who scored. You know. 80 goals for in two seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see Nagelsmann's vision. I can see, you know, having a quick creative players up front, you know, with creative mind, mind of Thomas Müller a bit behind. And I think that's, that's how we solve it. You know, uh, I can, I can see it working quite well, maybe against Barcelona, who likes to press more. But as we've seen against Union Berlin, uh, sometimes when teams do park the bus, it becomes kind of toothless in a way. But yeah, solving it, I, I don't know. I think, frankly, it's it's just to keep on going and try to maximize Nagisman's tactics. I think that's that is the, the almost the only way to to go about it. Right. So then we now we need to look ahead to Tuesday, where we will be seeing Robert Lewandowski, the man who could solve our problems and the man who we will have to deal with. So yes, um, what a fantastic classical game it will be early on in the season. Yeah, it has everything really. I mean. Lewandowski coming back to Bayern Munich only a few months after the transfer circus, the typical FC Hollywood summer. Uh, I mean, it's you can't you can't write it. It's uh, going to be fantastic, I think. Um, as terms of how Barcelona is, um, I can't say I am a expert. I don't watch them a lot. I do kind of have this feeling though that Xavi is perfect for them. I do believe that's why they spent so much money this summer, even though they are in quite a big debt. I think it's because they just believe in Xavi, who has, you know, Barca DNA from a very young age. So I'm, I, I think Barcelona can be very, very good this year. And uh, they do have uh, one of the best strikers in the world, the one who should not be named. <laughs> um, yeah, but in terms even of- though we've named him like a dozen times already today. So <laughs> Yeah, but in terms of playing style, I mean, I think Barcelona... Um, will play their normal, you know, pressing game. I don't know about, about you too, if you've been watching more than me. So I did ask Barcelona fans over on Barca Blagrants and the FC Discord, Lona Discord, about what they think about the game coming up. And aside from the comments that were just very salty at me because I batted them through the entire summer, I just had to say that they are very confident about this game. And why shouldn't they be? Because they have not lost an away game apparently in... Like, Xavi has not lost his last 14 away games, which is very impressive. And they are on a high. Lewandowski is scoring for fun. Dembele seems to be playing at his absolute best for some reason. I don't know how. And Xavi seems to have figured out his tactics quite well, which is somewhat of a surprise given how he... It was a bit of a slow start to his tenure last season, in my opinion, even though he did stabilize at the end. 
the thing is that they say that the main hallmarks of their team now is the fact that it is more modern, it is more compact, more press resistant, and much more pressing in general. We know that Barcelona are known for stuff like tiki taka and slow, cautious build up play and that kind of football, beautiful football and that type of thing. But Xavi seems to be a more modern coach who likes his team to be much more in the recent German style of football that we have seen get so much success in Europe. And it seems that because of that, Bayern will be playing its mirror in some ways because I have an idea of what the lineup will look like. They will probably field themselves in a 4-3-3. Up top, you will have Robert Lewandowski with Osman Dembele and Rafinha on either flank. Then you have a midfield three consisting of Pedri, Gavi and Busquets. Uh, surprisingly, they seem to think that Frankie de Jong will be on the bench. And it seems like Frankie de Jong is not actually a starter under Zavi, which is surprising to me. But like apparently people who watch him say that is not a big surprise. So maybe his career is not panning out as he'd hoped when he went to Barcelona. And finally, the defense. Defense is quite interesting because they have Alejandro Balde in left back, who is an attacking left back, a lot like Alfonso Davies. They will either have Eric Garcia or Andreas Christensen in one of the centre-back spots. The other centre-back spot is Araujo, which is, who is kind of like their version of Lucas, honestly. Like, he is a no-nonsense kind of defender, always gets in the way of attacks, will get the ball, or the man, you know, that kind of guy. And finally, they have Jules Kunde, who they signed from Sevilla at right-back, because they don't have a proper right-back right now. So he is basically a centre-back deputizing at right back, kind of like what Pavard does for us. And obviously Mark and Stegen at goalkeeper, who apparently is playing well again after multiple seasons of underperformance. So yeah, that is what the lineup looks like. And my first impression is it's going to be tough. It's going to be very, very difficult, as le- at least based on how we've been playing. Yeah, what about you guys? Samarin, what do you think? I completely agree with you. I watched their first league game of the season where they did struggle to find each other to connect with Lewandowski. It almost seemed like he was missing Thomas Muller. <clears throat> but the second game on, they've been very, very good. I was particularly impressed with the 3-0 win over Sevilla. Granted, Sevilla got beat by Man City in the Champions League pretty easily as well. But Sevilla is normally a team that is difficult to break down. And Barcelona did not really struggle to break them down. And despite making so many changes to their lineup for their um, weekend game this time, they still won by a convincing scoreline. So, and Lewandowski scored again. So all round, the team looks much better. Defensively, I'm a big fan of Jules Koundé. And I was surprised when they got this move through, despite all the, actually nothing about Barcelona surprises me anymore, especially about their finances. But I'm not surprised that they have played so well with the, team of players that they have assembled and this is definitely not the same Barcelona where we witnessed last season and previous seasons when we went out and we beat them thoroughly also they do play at a faster pace I have noticed that there's less of the tiki-taka and more let's move the ball forward let's try to find Lewandowski unless it's Dembele he's not trying to find anybody but the goal their front players are really strong and tough to handle and we might be in for a tough time so Barcelona fans confidence is not completely out of place but that being said we will be the first serious test for them because they haven't played anybody of high caliber as of yet they haven't played uh real madrid in the league yet i don't think they've played atletico either so yeah it'll be interesting to see how they perform against us because 
they are kind of a benchmark. We are kind of a benchmark for their season. Whilst we have already played some tough teams, we started the season against Leipzig. We played Frankfurt, despite whoever might say, despite the fact that they're slow starters, they were Europa League champions. They are the current holders. And we also played Inter Milan last week. So how Xavi decides to set up against us will be interesting because I want to see if he does actually make changes to how he sets his team up when facing a more potent attack, you know, at least by the evidence from the first three games that we played this season compared to everybody else they've faced so far. So Marcus, back to you. Who do you think is the player who could hurt us most in the Barcelona team? Aside from, let's say, Lewandowski, because we know Lewandowski after having seen him for eight years. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll, I will not mention uh, Lewandowski, but um, yeah, he is the obvious threat. Um, I think with Lewandowski's arrival, I think there's a big chance that he probably made a lot of players better. I've heard that Dembele is having you know a great season, and I do believe it's because he gets to play alongside with one of the best link-up players in the world. For the players to watch, I will be very interested to see the two young guys on the midfield, Pedri and Gavi. If they play with Busquets, I think that will be a a very interesting battle to see how they come up uh, against Bayern Munich's midfield, whoever will start. But uh, yeah, I think for them too, I think it's very interesting. It's like Barcelona has, you know, the academy up, up and running again. So yeah, how they will fare in, as you said, Samran, one of the biggest tests of the season for them, I think will be very interesting to see. Besides that, I am also excited to see Kunde. If he plays at right back, I thought it was the center back for Sevilla, but if he plays at right back, that, that will be interesting too. And, and overall, I, I'm just, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, this Xavi team. And in the name, you said that Xavi is a more modern coach with the almost German gegenpressing approach. That plus his, you know, Barcelona DNA can be very deadly, I think. So it'll be, I think that's the matchup I'm looking forward to the most, is to see how Nagaswan will fare against Xavi. Okay, so that is interesting because for me, I believe that the most important battle in any Barca versus Bayern game is Muller versus Busquets. Because in my opinion, we, as we all know, Thomas Muller is the guy who has caused Barcelona the most amount of misery in European games, full stop. He has scored more goals against them than anyone, and pretty much every time he faces Barcelona, he's man of the match. I think it's down to one fact, and one fact only, is the fact that he matches up really well against Sergio Busquets and the space that Busquets tends to leave behind him. Muller is very good at attacking those spaces, and because of that, that's a fundamental flaw in every single Barcelona team that has ever faced us that Bayern has been able to exploit and therefore get the win from, even when they had those amazing attackers and Messi, Suarez, and Neymar. We still managed to beat them at the Avignon Arena. However, nowadays, according to Barcelona fans, again, I have not managed to watch them recently, they have plugged up that weakness because apparently it's a weakness that was quite well known that Busquets isn't the best defensively at the moment. They have plugged up that weakness by having Gavi, who is an intense pressing player. They have him covering for Busquets in midfield and therefore that weakness of Busquets that we would normally exploit by using Thomas Muller in those spaces, that may not be possible in this game. And therefore, it may be possible that Bayern will need to rethink its offensive game plan against Barcelona for 
this run out compared to previous games where we might have just run them through with very little opposition. That being said, there is another factor at play, which is the fact that Barcelona will not park the bus. I think that even though we face Inter and they are a relatively big team, they were more than content to sit back and try to counter us and their counterattacks didn't really come off. So we were more or less safe against them. Barcelona won't do that. They are going to try and attack us even away from home. I don't think Xavi will really change his approach in that sense. He won't switch to a more defensive setup and try to contain us because it's really not in their DNA. So based on that, it might be possible that our attack, which has been shut down for the last few games, it might start to get more chances. And that might be our advantage heading into this game. I don't know if you guys agree or not. I do. I definitely do. In uh, 2012 to 2013, we did actually play Barca on the counter, which was quite fun. We had like 40% possession over on in both legs in the semifinals that year, and we beat them thoroughly. So there were a lot of other circumstances, of course, that season. But with the speed that we have up and down, and despite our wingers not being able to hit a barn door at this point, I think we could use that speed very effectively against Barcelona. And make those chances happen. Our attack does not function that well against Park the Bus teams. It functions much better against teams that are willing to play us on an equal footing. So that could work. What do you think, Marcus? Yeah, um, I think, look, Bayern has a chance against anyone they play, they're playing. Yes, it hasn't been the, be- the best start of the season, but Bayern are uh, unbeaten so far. So I think Bayern, on their day, they can beat anyone. And yeah, I think... It could be a blessing in disguise that Barcelona will play with with a higher line, uh, so to say, for you know our speedsters to uh, to take advantage of. But yeah, I think it will be a very interesting game for sure. But yeah, we'll see what uh, we'll see what happens. Really, I'm just looking forward to it. But again, on their day, I think Bayern can beat anyone. But really, I don't really know too much about Xavi's tactical setup. I don't think he will be ultra offensive, so to say. But I think he will definitely you know give it more of a go than uh, than Inter did, who played, you know, classically Italian defensive football. But yeah, I think a Bayern at the Allianz Arena can always have a chance. I also just want to add to that, Marcus, that they don't really have the players to sit back and defend. Dembele is not going to sit back and defend. That's not going to happen. Most of their players are not built for a team that's meant to sit back and defend. I honestly think Bayern could do a better job of sitting back and defending because we have players like De Ligt and Hernandez and Pavard who are naturally more defensive and they could sit there and defend all day long if we ask them to. So I think we would do a better job of that. So in that, I think is a really good take. But how do you think we will handle the threat, the multiple threats that they have in their attack? Lewandowski, Dembele, etc. So the thing is that I think Xavi might do one change, which is moving Dembele from the right flank to the left flank, which would put him up against Pavard instead Pavard. of Davies, which... I mean, I think this is something that we've seen a lot of teams do. They just move their best winger to the opposite flank so that they're not up against Alfonso Davies, which is fair play to them. But that would mean Rafinha versus Davies. And I don't know, Davies tends to sometimes struggle with heavily skilled players in defending. Normally, he's so good at stopping wingers. But think about when he used to go up against Di Maria when we face PSG. Whenever we face PSG, he would get turned inside out, which is... So that's not his game, but he would still have Lucas to look after him on that flank. The other flank is kind of a concern because if it's Benjamin Pavard, who has been good this season, I, I even I am admitting that. So you know how good he's been. So 
even the Benjamin fought is decent at defending and he is defending against Dembele. Dembele is really good. I have seen him turn Philip Lam, uh, to be fair, a very old, possibly past his prime Philip Lam, completely inside out. And back when that was back when he was still in Dortmund and he was nowhere near as developed as he is now. And all it takes is one good pass or one good cross to Lewandowski and it's over for us. And then there's the fact that our centre-backs, they all they all seem to have at least one mistake in them yeah. per, per game. I don't know who to play, honestly. Like, Lucas, you have to play him, right? But who do you play between Upamecano and Delict? Because we've seen with Delict, like, he has a very risky defensive style. And it didn't cost him against Inter, but it did cost him against Stuttgart with that penalty giveaway, which was honestly quite unnecessary because the ball was going wide anyway. Whereas Upamecano, Upamecano is a lot like Delict in the sense that he he can go like 90% of a game without making any mistakes, being completely flawless. But then the one gigantic brain fart he has, it's it's almost irrecoverable. So between these two, like who would you play? Like if you know that they're going to be defending against Lewandowski and we need probably an aerial presence at the very least. So I'm kind of partial to Delict. What about you guys? I would go with Delict. I, yes, his style of play is risky, but Upamecano struggles against pacey, big attackers. And Barcelona has more than one of those. I play Delict in this situation. What about you, Marcus? It's good that I'm not the coach because I don't. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I think. I mean, on Obamecano, I know he's he's quite mistake prone, so to say. But he, he's a he's a freak of nature. Huh? Like he is fast, yeah, strong. Fast. Like the potential yeah. he has. The potential he has to be like the best. Like he has all the qualities, you know. He has the all the potential to become one of the best center backs in the world. And Delict, I mean, he's more of a classical center back. I think I would play Delict probably because it would probably be better in the aerial battle against Lewandowski. So maybe that's why I, I also choose Delict. Okay, so we're in agreement about that. What yeah. about like what about the midfield? Midfield, I I guess we all should be in agreement that it should be Kimmich and Zabitzer. These based on, in my opinion, based on how we saw. Goretzka perform versus Stuttgart. It's clear that he's not ready to start this soon. You know, I'm a little bit torn. And this may be because of Goretzka's past performances. But when we need a goal, I go with Goretzka. And we've been struggling for goals lately. And Savitzer, to be fair to him, did a very good job against Inter where I saw him popping up in important spaces and he almost did score a goal and he had to add it to the attacking threat. And Savitzer is such a steady influence right now. He protects the defense to the point where the question of Upamecano versus Delict becomes, it be, almost becomes arbitrary in that Nagelsmann could go with either if Savitzer is the one protecting them and Kimmich is allowed to move forward. But if it's Kimmich who's the deeper lying defensive mid, then I do worry for the back line. So yes, for now I go with Savitzer, but... That does mean we do minimize our goal threat, which again is not great at the moment, just a little bit. Yeah, well, I think I'm almost quite sure that Sabitzer will play. He didn't play a second against Stuttgart, did he? No. So I, th- I think that was maybe one of the reasons. Yeah, and with Goretzka, I mean, how long has he been out? Is it pretty much like out the injured? entire? He, j- he just came back, basically. Like, yeah. Yeah. So about yeah. more than a month, I guess. Yeah. Let's be safe. I, I would play Sabitzer, who I think has done really well this season. Sabitzer was one of the strangest drop of form. Like he, he, in my opinion, was one of the best center mids in when his last season in Leipzig under Nagelsmann. Like best center mids in, in the Bundesliga. 
his first season at Bayern, I thought it would be like an immediate success, but his first season at Bayern was quite uh, underwhelming. I thought he, he started better this uh, this season. So, yeah, give him a chance against Barcelona, I would say. Yeah, that's that's quite fair. I think Savitzer would do well to at least help neutralize the threat of Pedri in the middle because yeah. we play with two midfielders. Barcelona play with three. We are going to lose the midfield battle if we don't have a high work rate midfielder. And Sabitzer has been that guy for us recently. So Sabitzer it is, I guess. You, you, we all three of us agree. But then there is the thing that Barcelona play three attackers. We play four. Which four should play? I think, Ooh. I mean, you guys know that I'm never going to say <laughs> that Thomas Muller should not play. But especially yeah. <laughs> against Barcelona. I mean, especially against Barcelona, yeah. you have to play Thomas Muller. Yeah. I mean, come on. And I think Sadio Mane was, Sadio Mane and Leroy Sané were quite clearly rested with the Barcelona game in mind against Stuttgart. So that leaves just one spot left. And what do you think? Musiala or Gnabry? Musiala all day. Yeah, all day I mean, long. I don't know why I asked point. that because... <laughs> yeah. Marcus, Marcus, you normally have dissenting opinions, okay? You thought that Joachim Le should not have been sacked before <laughs> the Euros. So, right. so you tell us, do you think you do you think that Muziala or Gnabry should play? Who should play? It's up to me to save the pod. If we all agree, it's maybe boring. Yeah, if we all agree, we have to move <laughs> no. on. We have to... No, okay, good. Tell uh, us. We have to increase try, the ratings. Yeah, with try, some, try uh, and justify, justify this. Justify this yeah. based on Gnabry's recent form. Yeah. Yeah, um, Marcus, you have to say Musiala, something. He doesn't really, play, yeah, he <laughs> doesn't really play too much on the wing, does he, Musiala? I and mean, I guess Müller would be, or or does he, Musiala? He plays he normally does. in the middle, no? He does. He plays yeah. both. Yeah. So, I, but do you guys still think he would? He should play on the wing. Yes, I, I mean honestly, I would have Musiala on the pitch over Gnabry nine times out of ten with the last time maybe with a game at London. Otherwise, Mozilla all the way. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. I mean, what? I yeah. Mean, what? Well, I'll say Nabi. I'll say Nabi. Yeah. Okay. For the sake of disagreeing, I'll say Nabi. Yeah. Okay. Put, put, a, put a real <laughs> winger on. Yeah, sure. I mean, okay. But the thing is that, like, the important question that we need to ask is that if we do lose to Barcelona, what does that say about Nagelsmann? Do you, would you guys switch oh, to man. Nagelsmann out? Oh, that's tough. That's that's tough for me. I I love Flick so much. I don't think I've even gotten over Flick and even you, Pankis, at this point. But I've I had grown warmer to Nagelsmann with the start of the season. I thought a strikerless formation works better for him because, like we discussed in an earlier podcast, he doesn't really like to play with the pure like Lewandowski type number nine up front. So he's been given all the tools to work with. And unfortunately, for better or for worse, this is his team. A lot of these signings were made with his vision in mind. So if we lose to Barcelona, I'm going to, especially at home, there's going to be a deep sigh from me. But I think we should let Nagelsmann finish the season for better or for worse and then decide in the summer if we do need a good striker. I've heard a rumor somewhere that um, in January, Bayern might be in the market for Harry Kane, which I yeah, don't really believe. Yeah, we a lot that. Yeah, it, he's, he's too expensive. He's from England. Those two things, Premier League price tags or double Bundesliga <laughs> price tags. And on top of everything, I think 
we should let him see the season out. We did sign him to a five-year deal. So we, we almost made a promise to him that we're going to let him work the team in his vision. We don't really give coaches long-term deals. We even gave Pep Guardiola only a three-year deal. So he gets to finish the season one way or the other, no matter what happens. I think the worst scenario is elimination from the group stages. Then it becomes very, very hard to keep him on because that just doesn't happen with Bayern. The last time we ended up in the Europa League, well, UEFA Cup back then, was courtesy of league position, not because of what happened in the Champions League. So it'll be tough. But like I said, I think he deserves to see it out. And what about you, Marcus? Um, so the question is, if if Bayern lose against Barcelona, whether Nagisman should be sacked or... Well, generally, question. whether he should be sacked or whether you will turn uh, against him personally as, as it your faith in the coach. Ah, um, no, I think what Samrin just said made a lot of sense. I have a, re- I have a kind of strange relationship with Nagismond in a way that I really like it that Bayern are, are clearly setting up a future path. And I'm okay with that path not being successful immediately. I love it that Bayern are buying young players, um, are really investing in playing uh, players like Musiala and Tell, giving them a chance. I think that's really great. And I think that's the way to go. Uh, that's the way to rebuild a rebuild team. And on paper, it really makes sense that Nagisman is the main architect of this project. He's a young coach. He looks, <laughs> he looks quite hip on the touchline with, with all his different coaches and stuff. But, you know, but he has his own ideas. I think it, it makes sense for, for Bayern to, to try out Nagisman after they lost you know, the, the most successful coach in a short period of time with Hansi Flick. Tactically, and okay. how Bayern is playing, I, I am not uh, very sold so far on Nagsman. Yeah. But I think what Samarin is saying it makes sense. We should give him, you know, time for sure. A loss against Barcelona, I don't think would matter that much, especially if Bayern play well and it's a 1 2. You know, Lewandowski scores two wonder strikes or whatever. I, I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine with that, especially since Bayern did win, you know, their away game against Inter. Uh, I, I don't think they will, I think they will proceed. I think they will be uh, the top two in the group. But yeah, so far, I mean, what I see on the when watching Bayern games, I can't say that I'm super, super impressed. I mean, I was after the Frankfurt game. I really, I saw the Nagelsmann kind of project, and like, I think the Frankfurt game and the in the away game against Leverkusen last season, that it gave glimpse of how really good Bayern can be. But it's not been too frequent, I would say. So yeah, that's my thought on that. Honestly, I just have to say this. Um, I haven't decided yet what I'm going to feel about Nagels when I'm leaving that up to the moment. But honestly, I think that like given that I was vehemently against what Nagelsmann was doing last season, I think that if we do lose to Barcelona, it will be a severe indictment of what this team has done in terms of both squad building and in terms of which direction Nagelsmann has taken us tactically. Because last season, Barcelona were definitely behind us. If they beat us, then they will prove that they have leapfrogged us, which means that we have gone backwards. That yeah. is just unacceptable. And that is, I think, my final word on this. Yeah. And uh, the last coach to look hip was Niko Kovac, just as a reminder. <laughs> I mean, it depends on your definition of hip, I hope. <laughs> I don't... I... <laughs> I don't. I don't think I agree with you there. I need. I need your name. I need no name. Okay. Um, Fair enough. I think. No. I think. I mean, if Bayern lose to Barcelona and it's a good game, I don't think that's even if Bayern it's a good taking game, a step I mean, backwards. There, I just, I just there think is it, no good game. It's Barcelona taking. No, no, no. But I mean, 
of course not. There's no no game trophy, but like to kind of you know make you know judgments over one game, for example. I think you can't really you know you should be careful about. But also, I think if Barcelona beats us fair and square, and it's a let's say it's one two to Barcelona, I think it makes also sense that Barcelona has taken five steps forward, while Bayern's, uh, Bayern under Nagelsmann has maybe take one step forward. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just wanted to add that it would be over the course of the season. I think that In is referring to rather than yeah. that one Barcelona game because that would be four bad results out of five. Let's say. And so, honestly, yeah. like it would basically be the capstone. I have this theory that our team is kind of re- doing a little bit of reactionary things in terms of performances. Like we won against Victoria Cone. And then we went and drew against Union. Then we won against Inter pretty comfortably. Then we drew against Stuttgart. So I'm starting to think that maybe the team is starting to get a bit complacent. And the complacency will not be there against Barcelona, but it is there in our league games, which is also like a symptom of winning the league title 10 years in a row. We just don't have that same hunger and drive in league games that we might have in the Champions League, I hope. Now, if we don't see that, then it just confirms to me that this is a tactical problem and a problem with coaching, in which case, no, we can't we can't continue with the coach. We have to go in a different direction. Would uh, would you want Tuchel? Yeah, I guess Tuchel. I mean, every time a buying coach is sacked, his name comes up. So he's, he's the <laughs> easy choice, right? Yeah. All right, guys. So I think we should wrap up. As usual, thank you for all the support. We're looking forward to the Barcelona game. And obviously, we'll have a lot of content for you out there about that game. Be sure to stay tuned to Bavarian Podcast Works for all of your up-to-date coverage in Bayern Munich and Germany. Follow us on Twitter at Bavarian FB Works, at the Barrett blog for Chuck, at TommyAdam71 for Tom, at BFWN for I Need No Name, and more. This has been Samrin, Marcus, and In. Thank you so much, guys. It's been a great pod. Thank you for listening. And yeah, we'll follow up after the Barcelona game. Yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you.